Welcome to the EQ Mind Recharge Your Mental Health podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show and founder of EQ Minds, where we empower you to take care of your mental health and well-being. My book, The Mindful High Performer, is available worldwide. Click the link in the description to get your hands on a copy today. Discover how to make small changes to feel better every day. Today, I'm joined by Lael Stone, who is an educator, TEDx speaker, author, mother, and parenting counsellor who has been working with families for over 20 years. Her work as a birth educator, postnatal trauma counsellor, and parenting educator has seen her work with thousands of families consulting about newborns all the way to the teen years. She spent over five years in secondary schools working with teens around sexuality, well-being, and relationships, and her great aim is to empower parents to create connections and stronger relationships with their children. She is the co-creator of Woodline Primary School, an innovative new school based on emotional well-being and connection. Lael was the co-host of the Aware Parenting podcast and a sought-after public speaker who talks candidly about her experiences and her great passion, creating wellness in adults through connection and communication as well as sitting on a few advisory boards and consulting with organisations around emotional awareness and trauma-informed practices, she has teamed up with Resilience Project to deliver presentations about raising resilient children all over Australia. Lael's first book, Raising Resilient and Compassionate Children, has just been released, uh, debuting on many bestsellers lists, and Lael's work has now extended to working with adults in the corporate space where she addresses the impacts of imprints and trauma and how that affects all relationships and stepping into our potential. Lael is absolutely awesome. And today's show is dedicated to the topic of raising resilient and compassionate children. And I can guarantee that you'll discover priceless insights that will positively impact your parenting journey. Let's get started. I'm so thrilled to have you here today, Lael Stone, with us on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My pleasure. So I'd love the audience to know how you actually got into this kind of work that you do. Mm. Well, I think it it really came from my own personal story. And I mean, I've worked with children for a really long time. Before I kind of worked with children, I actually worked in birth for about 15 years and came to work there really because my first child, he's 23 now, had a pretty traumatic birth experience with him. And then when I had my second baby, I had a really profound, amazing healing experience. And that that birth kind of changed my life. And I remember just thinking, I want families, women, couples to know what it feels like to have a positive experience because it makes a massive difference as that entry into parenthood. So I think it was because of that 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 propelled me into doing birth work. And then as my children grew, you know, I, I kept having these questions in my head of how do I do this consciously? Like how do I do this so my kids are not going to have to end up in, you know, 20 years of therapy? <laughs> like what can we do to try and you know, minimize that. So that kind of then sent me on a whole journey of a lot of research and study around 
emotional awareness and connection, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then as my children grew too, then as my son went into puberty, I remember thinking, gosh, if I taught him enough about sexuality and relationships and, and um, consent. And so then I ended up studying like sex ed for, for teens and spent five years working with teens in secondary schools, which was just such an awesome, fun job. And then again, as my children grew old, <laughs> I then was like, right, how do we help them into that beautiful early adulthood and, and helping them set up? And so I, I learned more about that. So I think probably my children have really guided me. And then even moving into building my school and stuff like that was really around watching my children's struggle in the schooling system as well and not feeling like they belonged or it didn't meet their needs and that also fueled another desire in me so I probably say that it's been my own growth as a parent but also just that whoa how do I help and support my children to be the best humans they can be and so therefore you know I've, I've kind of jumped in and covered all bases so once they get get a bit older I'll move into working with the elderly and then we'll have ticked off the full spectrum from birth to death <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful mission and uh, I feel like you're the expert for, for us to ask you these kinds of things around how young right should we be teaching our children what emotions are and how to recognize them and then how to label them yeah great question so I would say it starts right from when our babies uh, when, we, when we have babies so I think babies feel just like toddlers just like you know school age kids and I think there's two elements to this question the first one is I often really invite parents to say what they see when a child is upset so even when you've got a little bubba who perhaps you know you've been out somewhere in a busy shopping center and it's you know a lot of noise and stimulation and you come home and you can kind of just see the overwhelm on the baby's face even just like oh little one tell me all about it gosh it was really noisy out there wasn't it it can feel really overwhelming our little babies are still taking that in they're feeling and sensing you know what we're saying and then our beautiful toddlers because they're watching and they're mirroring everything we do you know when you cut their sandwich the wrong way or you give them the wrong colored cup and they get really angry you know we can say back to them gosh, you're really mad because I cut your sandwich the wrong way. Yeah, I get it. Tell me about it. That feels hard, doesn't it? So we're never judging the behavior. What we're doing is we're always looking behind the behavior and we're being curious as to the why behind it. Now, I often say to parents, there's usually three reasons why kids have big feelings. You know, the first one is because there's a need that needs to be met, like I need a cuddle or I need food or I need to go to sleep. The second one is because they need information because often we just whisk kids up and put them here and plonk them there and take them there without actually telling them what's going on. And information for some people really helps their nervous system feel settled. And even as adults, some of us really need information. You know, we want to know who's going to be there and what time do I have to stay till and are there going to be snacks and do I have to talk to people and what time can I leave? And we often need that as adults as well to help our nervous system feel calm. So information is really powerful. And then the third reason reason why often children can feel really upset or have big feelings is usually because there's an accumulation of stress or sometimes past traumas or just overwhelm in their system and then when they reach a tipping point which is usually with the the people that feel safest which is our parents uh, then all those big feelings come out and our job is to just be present with it and allow that that kind of storm to pass so they can come back into balance so when we understand that as adults I think it can help make it a lot easier to then when we're seeing our child have a hard time say what we see and and speak it so that then they're they're getting that feedback of yeah I am feeling angry because 
my sister took my toy or I am feeling mad because we just went to five places and it was too much and the adults were talking to me. So I think that builds up a beautiful foundation of awareness. And then the other best teaching around teaching our kids about emotional awareness is what we model to them so that when we are angry or upset, we actually own it. We say, I am really angry and it's nobody else's fault. I'm just feeling this anger and frustration. And so I'm going to go and put on some music and do some angry dancing, or I'm going to go for a run, or I'm going to go outside and yell at the trees. And we have to model healthy ways to move these feelings. And it's the same with feeling sad. One of the things I say to parents all the time is that we our children are so hardwired into us and so when we're feeling perhaps sad or or something's going on our children will often come up and say you okay mum and we often do the whole yeah yeah, I'm fine I'm fine but we're actually not fine and what's happening in that moment is our children are beginning to now discredit their intuitive sense and that intuition because they're feeling us going I feel like you're off yet the adult is telling me I'm fine and so it often sets up a story of the child not trusting their gut we are much better off saying, you know what, I'm feeling really sad today and I'm going to call a friend because it feels better when I have a chat or I'm just going to have a cry and that's okay and the sadness is mine and I can deal with it. What that does is it helps a child firstly see what it looks like to feel our feelings in a healthy way. It also helps the child know it's not their responsibility to keep their parent happy or to to navigate their feelings and you know and then everybody's owning their stuff right and it's also teaching children about this beautiful emotional awareness of languaging and feeling so my invitation always is to come back to you know being authentic and and letting a child know yeah I feel like this and it's okay and this is what I'm going to do to help myself that is such great advice Lael like the that role modeling piece is just so so crucial so say your child right say Clara comes home from school and is feeling really sad about something that's happened as as a parent what's the best way to comfort your child in that kind of situation while still instilling resilience Mm. well the first thing and this is one of the most challenging things of parenting is to just listen and this is something I talk a lot about to um to parents and, and in corporate spaces that one of the things when I worked with teens that was so important for them when I said to them, you know, if there's one thing you wish a parent would know or there's one thing you wish your parent would, would get better at, what is it? And 85% of them would say, I just want them to listen. But there were three things they really wanted in the listening. The first was I wanted my parents to listen without judging so that when our child is saying something, we're not getting into that whole judgy about their friend or what they're doing because, again, it's all about safety. And what the child's reading is, is it safe to bring you this big stuff are you going to freak out or are you able to hold it so the first thing is about listening without judging the second thing and this is this applies to every relationship we have is listen without fixing so most of us listen to fix we don't listen to hear and what is so vital is that when a child comes to us whether it's a four-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 17-year-old and they're saying oh you know I didn't get picked in the basketball team and that's not fair or they're saying you know my friends don't want to be friends with me our job is not to jump into the drama with them either and go oh that's not okay and how are we going to cope it's to take a deep breath and just say tell me more And then they talk and we don't say anything else. And then we say, and what else? And then we go, gosh, that sounds hard. And we nod a lot and we have to bite our tongue to jump in and say things. And we just listen. And then at the end of their ranting or raving or complaining or whatever that looks like, you might offer something like, 
do you want a suggestion or did you want me to just listen? Now, if your child just says, I want you to just listen, you can't then go, okay, but what I think you should do is this, right? And it's really understandable. I think this is so crucial for us to, to recognize as uh, parents is that we want to fix because we love them and we don't want to see them in pain and we don't want to see them struggling. And so one of the things we do is sit there and go, gosh, I don't, I don't want you to be in pain. I, w- I, I want to make this better. But what happens is when we jump in with a fix, we rob our children on some level of developing resilience because what is needed to create resilience in children is having to sit in the hard feelings, is feel and express them in a healthy way, ask for support if they need, and then process it and then move forward. That's what builds resilience. Resilience doesn't come from this grit and just suck it up and and kind of power through. It's our ability to feel all the stuff that sits around whatever's going on. So when our kids are having a hard time and, and, you know, your daughter's talking about all the things that feel tricky, a lot of what you're doing is nodding and not saying anything and then just saying thank you so much for sharing with me and you might reflect back what do you think you should do or you know what are some ideas you could do around this so that you're being that kind of support for whatever is the challenging thing and even if they have to sit in the hard stuff for a bit longer and go I don't know and it's still not fair we have to just keep going I hear you darling and I trust your ability to move through this and I'm right here if you need and you're doing a really good job and they're often the things that we need to say and be there with to help our children know hey you can do really hard stuff and it does feel tricky and I've got you back and you know I've worked with thousands of adults you know really around unpacking a lot of their own wounds and stories and when I often ask them the question what is it that you needed from your parent when you were five when you were 12 when you were 17 nearly everyone comes back with the same answer I just wanted them to listen I wanted to know that they're on my team and I wanted to be seen by them I wanted them to really see me and and so that I knew that I was enough and then I could have navigated whatever was going on. So if we can bring that to our children, then, gosh, we are offering just the, the most amazing gift. That's incredible. Such good advice. So as adults, we also need healthy healthy boundaries, like to set them around us. How do you teach children to do the same, to set healthy boundaries? <laughs> Well, I think the first thing is modeling again. Um, What I've found, you know, is for a lot of us as adults, in the way that we were raised, many of us do not have a healthy imprint on boundaries. So for a lot of us as adults, our boundaries either looked like really authoritarian and power over, which was what I say goes, and we weren't even allowed to say anything back to that, and we just had to get on with whatever was you know, being pushed in front of us, or it was swinging in the other direction, which was really permissive, which the boundaries are really wishy-washy. So we knew that we could just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and eventually mum would say yes or something like that, right? So a healthy boundary comes from a place of anchoredness. And and because many of us didn't have that model to us, it can feel very, very challenging setting boundaries with our children. And so I often say setting boundaries comes from a place where we are calm, we are anchored. It never comes from yelling because if we're yelling, it means that we're out of balance. And I often say the best way to set a boundary is to anchor yourself. So really get grounded, take some deep breaths, Imagine that your heart is open, right, because we still want to create uh, create connection when we're setting boundaries with our children. And then when we've got that connection and our heart open, then we can just be very clear. You know, I, I hear that you want to do that, darling, but that's a no. 
and I'm happy to see and I'm happy to hear how you feel about it. So we often set boundaries with children hoping that we say, you know, no, darling, you can't go ride your bike outside at 10 o'clock at night. I think we think that our child will go, yep, no worries, mum, good limit, yep, fine, and just carry on. But they don't. They push back and they're like, but why? And I really want to and that's not fair and all those kind of things. And actually that's not a bad thing. They're learning how to find their voice. They're learning how to stand up for themselves, which is then what teaches them about how to have their own boundaries. So we, I, th- I think, you know, the narrative for a long time is we want our children to be good boys and good girls. And I'm like, actually, that's not the goal. We don't want good boys and good girls because often good boys and good girls are just very compliant and they will just often do what anybody else wants them to do and abandon themselves. And that's what we don't want. We want our kids to go, actually, no, that doesn't feel good for me. Or I see an injustice over there and I'm going to say something about it. Now, the way they learn to do that is by practicing with us. They practice with their siblings if they've got siblings and they practice with us by pushing back on us. And we want to model to them what a healthy anchored boundary feels like so they know what that feels like in their bodies. So not only do we model that, but also what I think we do is we work with basics around consent with our children to help them know they can have a no. So that when we say, hey, you know, um, do you want to wrestle or we rumble or we do something together and we're playing and then they go, no, stop it, we actually go, oh, good, well done, you said no, thank you. You can say it louder if you need to. we got to empower them to have a loud no, to have a loud voice to say that doesn't feel okay for me. So in many, many elements, our children are constantly learning about boundaries. And one of the things that I've taught my children right from a very young age is when, you know, even when a friend is like, can you come to my house to play? I'll say to my child, do you really want to go? Is it a full body yes for you? Are all parts of you saying yes? And sometimes I'll be like, oh, part of me wants to, but another part doesn't. I'm going, okay, so if it's a maybe, it's a no for the moment. Like just pause on it until it feels like a big yes for you. And it's inviting them to tune into themselves to go, is this a full yes me? And we have to practice it many, many times so that they then have that inner authority to say, actually, that's a yes, that's a no, that feels good for me. Now, if you're trying to do that with a toddler, it'll be tricky because they'll be like, no, I'm not eating dinner and I'm just going to have ice cream. And you know, they're good times and we practice though. And there's still times where we're like, you know what, I see that honey, but this is what we're going to do because I'm the parent and, you know, I've got to guide you within that. But the more we listen to their yeses and nos and the more we give them opportunities to tune into their bodies and what they're feeling, then we are setting up that beautiful imprint around having that beautiful inner authority, which is so vital for children to have. Yeah, I love that. Speaking speaking of modelling, Leah, what are, what are the ways that you take care of your mental well-being as a parent? Yeah, this is good. Well, my kids are... Two of them are adults now. They're 23, 20, and I have a 15-year-old at home. So parenting's really changed for me now because there's not so much of that hands-on stuff. Uh, When they were younger, you you know, I was really rubbish at it for a really long time, and I often say this. I I had really crappy boundaries. I didn't – I had a really mixed-up message with self-care, you know, and and a lot of that, and with women I work with, was because of the stories we get imprinted with, with our own parents and what we watch, right? And I thought that taking self-care meant you were lazy, so I didn't do it. And so that didn't serve anyone. So I had to change a lot of those narratives. Really what I guess I come back to now is self-care for me is stillness and quiet. So I get peopled out a lot because I talk to a lot of people and travel. And so 
for me, self-care is actually not talking to anyone. It's being really quiet. It's going into nature. And it, and I often don't need a lot of it. I just need a few hours of it or a day and then I'm back again and I'm ready to go. I think the other self-care for me is really listening to my body, is knowing and having really strong yeses and nos around things. So if I am at feeling that depletion, I will cancel things and say no because I need to rest. And that's been one of the most empowering things I've learned to do as a woman because, you know, 15 years ago, there's no way I would have done that. I'd be like, oh, God, I'm going to let people down. And, and now I'm like, no, if I want to do what I want to do in the world and I want to be the best parent I want to be, then I really need to tune into myself and have that, like I'm teaching my kids, that really strong yes or no within around what feels right for me. So, so yeah, it's I think for me, without doubt, it's quiet, stillness, a bit of nature. That's what helps me reconnect with myself. Yeah, that's beautiful. This conversation, you've given us so many great tools and strategies. You're a magnificent human being, Lael, doing such impactful work out there. Your book, Raising Resilient and Compassionate Children, is out. So for the audience listening and you want more of Lael Stone's work, definitely go and get her book. I'll put it in the show notes. And Lael, where else can my audience find you? Well, I often joke that the probably one benefit of having a weird name is that when you Google Lael Stone, I am the only person <laughs> that turns up. Thanks, Mum and Dad. <laughs> so uh, on my website, laelstone.com.au, you know, I've got all my courses and all the different bits and pieces I do. And then on social media, I'm just at Lael Stone, so you can find my stuff there. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us this morning. You're just outstanding. Keep soaring. You're doing uh, such great work. Thanks, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. This podcast and the information contained therein is made available for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide medical advice. This information should not be used as a substitute for competent medical advice from a licensed specialist, doctor or psychologist. Thank you.